Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. We've been doing a series called uh, the Abide Series. And uh, we've had like four awesome sermons. And uh, we've been talking about abide. the word became flesh. Uh, the word gives life. The word feeds our spirit. And Sunday got fed. <laughs> Physically. <laughs> and um, last week, Wayne t- t- uh, preached about the word sets us free. Uh, so we continue in that vein. Uh, our theme for this year as every nation, our global family of churches is abide. That uh, as a church, we value the word of God and we place a high value on the word of God and that everything comes, uh, our lives should be based on the word that the word gives us life, it gives us direction, it gives us purpose. So this year we're encouraging every single one of us to get into the word, get stuck in, get deep into the Bible. Does everyone have their Bible today? Come on, let's see the old school people. Okay, they, they are getting fewer and fewer these days. <laughs> Everyone's mo- Let's see the version people. Come on. <laughs> Trish, you're getting outnumbered. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> ah, cool. Just before we get going, I just want to... Um, so our topic for today is the word, the word um, bears fruit. But before we get going into the, in, into, uh, the sermon, uh, does anybody know the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, movies, movies, right? Okay, if you don't know the Pirates of the Caribbean, go home, you'll have, and look it up, you'll have a great time laughing. So in the Pirates of the Caribbean, there are these two characters. Well, before I get to the characters, the movie starts out like this. It starts out with these group of pirates who are cursed and, so, and therefore can't die. So they are literally uh, terrible human beings. They can't human right. They just do everything wrong. They rob, they steal. They do things that pirates do. So in the course of the movie, the curse, the curse gets lifted. So now they are going to die. They, they lie, they, they're, non, they're no longer immortal. They're mortal now. So in the second movie, it kicks off with these two characters. If you can put them up on the screen. Uh, there we go. And uh, looking like how pirates look. Uh, for all of you who support Orlando Pirates. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> and uh, back to the point. The point. Point. <laughs> so um, what happens is these two guys, and the second movie starts, they are in a boat, and they're running away, and they're trying to hide because they are no longer immortal now. Now they have to deal with the fact that they're human beings, that life is short, and all these other things happen to us as human beings. And one of them, the other one on the side there, is busy reading a Bible. And this other one looks at him and is like, what are you doing? And he says, I figured since we're no longer immortal and all, we got to take care of our mortal souls. And then the other guy looks at him and is like, but it's upside down. And then he responds, well, I think it's the effort that counts. Um, I think that's, that, that picture or that, uh, that, that, that whole inter- in, in, interaction shows us a glimpse of how we interact with the Bible sometimes. 
we approach it in different time, in different ways. Some of us approach it as a religious duty, that it's the effort that counts. Now, if I read one verse today, then you will feel the self-righteousness and the, the holier-than-thou oozing in front of you. I read my Bible today. Hello, world. Hello. Greetings, brother. Um, because we feel like we're justified because of the act of reading. We're not really not like understanding, yeah, 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 that's secondary, but we read it. It is just a religious duty that we do. Some of us treat it like a spell book where we have certain scriptures, avoid all the other ones. There are certain ones that are for me that I need to confess and meditate and, you know, write down and do all of that. Not that necessarily that's a bad thing, but like you have to take it as a whole, but not like drips and drabs. So some of us have that, where we just take those certain portions and we speak about them and we confess them as our, literally like a spell. And it doesn't matter what the Bible or of what the, or of what the context or what it truly means just because, you know, it's in the Bible, therefore it must be true. So if I say it, it will change. You know, like God is a formula and he's given us this thing that if you, dear God, that gives you credit. Amen, hallelujah, that gives you credit. Like it's a formula. You know, like if, if I do A, therefore I'll get B. And... Uh, some of us will treat it like it's a textbook where it's about the facts, it's about, you know, understanding the facts and the proper um, eschatological and all the things that must be understood in proper fashion and, you know, just let's get the facts straight all the time. And some of us are just too familiar with it where, let's just be honest, you know, I resonate with some of these things quite often where we just like, oh, I know that one. John 3.16, so God so loved the world and he gave his only son to get whoever believes in him shall not perish. Oh, I know that one. Psalm 1 verse 1, uh, <laughs> blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not sit in the seats of mockers. Yada, 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 yada. Nice song that we sing. I know it. But uh, when we started off this series, um, Wayne shared a message of, from John 1, which John 1 verse 1, which I believe is one of the most important scriptures in the whole Bible where it says, the word became flesh. There's two ways you could look at that, the term that we can look at this in our modern time. The word became flesh. We can look at it from a literal understanding of it, that word, like word, information, facts, became flesh. And, we can, and when we approach the Bible, we are approaching it from that perspective of it's just the word, it's just facts. But uh, I was listening to this other, other psychologist speaking about this, and he says the word, uh, the better way to understand that term, the word logos, Wayne gave another beautiful understanding from the Greek and from the Hebrew. If you don't, uh, if you missed that one, please go look it up. It's an awesome sermon. Shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the better way we can understand it in our modern time is to say that um, the word became flesh is to say that consciousness became flesh, that the word is consciousness, that it is God's consciousness. I don't want to get all metaphysical, but what is information at the end of the day except for the fact that it leads to a mind? You can never have facts and random information and then you just automatically assume that's just that. If you just to, were to look under your seat, there's nothing there except, except if you put something there, uh, and you found a letter there, and you read that letter, 
what do you do not automatically assume? Would you automatically assume that it is just that, dear John, how are you? I saw you sitting across the room. Or would you read it and understand, oh, there's somebody who's writing a letter to John. I wonder who could that be? I'm so glad we don't have any Johns at church. <laughs> and then when we read it, we interact with the consciousness, we interact with the mind. And we get that full understanding of that grasp. So as we're, speaking abi- as we're talking about abiding, it is not about, you know, just encountering facts and figures or, in, or, or, or just having scriptures or motivational points that are there to keep you up and keep you happy. It is about encountering the mind behind the words, encountering the personhood of God, the very essence of who he is. So uh, today's scripture is what Pilile read. <laughs> I told you that <laughs> I'm just here to emphasize. <laughs> Uh, John 15, we're going to read from verse 1 to 8. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whosoever abides in me and I in him, he is, uh, he is it that bears. For apart from me, you cannot do nothing. If anyone, uh, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will, be done for, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove that you are my disciples. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that your word is alive, is sharper than any two-edged sword that you are able to devise, Lord God, the thoughts of our hearts and our meditations of our soul. Lord Jesus, we surrender to you, Lord God, this morning, and we ask, Jesus, that you do open-heart surgery over us. Lord Jesus, speak to our souls, Lord God. Show us your ways, Lord God. We want to seek you, we want to know you, and we want to follow you, Lord God, wholeheartedly. May you bless your word, Lord God, in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, a couple of years ago, on campus, we were having a, a Connect Group leaders meeting, and we were talking about Connect Groups and how are they doing. And in true um, campus leaders' fashion, it started becoming competitive. One person was like, oh, my Connect Group guys, we're so together, like we're friends. We go to the mall together. You know, like yesterday, we just like, we we, we just chilled for a very long time. Now the person is like, yeah, well, in my Connect Group, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of us, hey? We can't even fit into our res room. We're probably going to have connect group at a TV lounge. I don't know. Another person, oh, no, I just added another person to my connect group. And it became all competitive and all of that. And uh, after a while, I was like, guys, okay, okay, okay. I hear what you're saying, but I hear that you're doing so much activity and it's great and you're doing all of that. And some of you are reading uh, these scriptures and you're like having challenges and all. But where's the dividends of all the work that you are doing? 
Where's the fruit? If you read the scripture and we read this portion of scripture, Jesus has this expectation of us that whatever we're doing must bear fruit. All our church attendance, all our prayer meetings, all our connect group attendance, all our Bible reading, all the things that we are doing for God must lead to fruit. There must be a tangible fruit that, must be, that we must bear. I, there's this perception that whatever we're doing on earth is that we're working for heaven, that the only greatest fruit we could ever bear in life is that we get to heaven. But Jesus said, this is eternal life, that you know, that you know God and that you know me, him whom the Son has sent. So Jesus has an expectation that we bear fruit in this life. That there needs to be a return on his investment in your life right now. And the truth is, fruit, fruit is not all the same. Sometimes we can look at fruit and we can think that uh, my ultimate fruit in, uh, the ultimate fruit in life is to be like sobs. Like, let me just measure myself against sobs. I'm taller than him, so therefore I'm doing good. <laughs> but fruit is not the same. Fruit depends on where you are in that season. Some of us, fruit is just having a consistent quiet time. For some of us, fruit is starting a connect group. For some of us, fruit is demultiplying the connect group and, and raising leaders. For some of us, fruit is leading a, 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 in a ministry, or some of us, fruit is serving. We all have certain fruits that we need to bear, and we constantly, you know, God expects us to bear constant fruit. So, um, in this sermon, we're just going to look deep into how can we bear fruit, and how can we truly bear, uh, continuously bear fruit all the time. So, Jesus starts off by saying, I am the true vine. He did not say, I'm the best vine. I'm the best you'll ever have. I'm the most greatest there is. There is no other. He says, I am the true vine. The only true vine. All the other ones are false. Meaning, I am the only source of life. I'm the only source of sustenance. I'm the only source that you can truly bear fruit in. If you are not in me, you will wither and die. You know, Valentine is coming. People are going to get flowers. But the flowers are actually being cut and they're not attached to a branch. We can preserve it as much as we like with water and with all these other things, but there's a certain fact about it that if these flowers are not attached to the vine, they will endly end up becoming putpourri. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> so we need to be connected to the true vine. And we all here, we're all at church, and I, and I think we all know that that fact that we need God in our lives, so we, that's why we're here. I mean, duh. But sometimes we can say things and confess them, but by our actions we deny them. The way we act shows what we truly believe more than what we confess. What do you look to when you are sad and you're downcast and you're lonely and you're depressed? I'll be honest, me, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely sometimes going to be trying and find uh, that satisfaction at the end of that YouTube scroll. <laughs> or in that ice cream. Or in that, I don't know, just sports. Anything where I feel like there's a certain void that I just need to fill. 
I don't know what your, what your vice is, but we all have these little vices that are substitutes for God, that we sometimes be like, ah, oh, no, it's meaningless, it's just, just, oh, it's just a little bit of that. But in all essence, what we're doing, for, what we're doing is that we are actually replacing God with, an, with another substitute. There's a song that I don't know why I heard that song, but it has tortured me for the rest of my life. That whenever I feel like, huh, ice cream, I need something to satisfy, I need to binge on food, I, I, I'm feeling terrible, I need something to pick me up. So the lines of the song says, I turn and buckle under stress and under pressure, Bible on my dresser that could teach my pen a lesson, but I'd rather not address it. It's very easy to just look at the Bible and think about it as that information in there. Those facts that are there. Instead of looking at it as it is, this is the consciousness of God, the very presence of God, the thing that will bring you life, that will bring us healing and deliverance, that will bring us true sustenance, that when we abide in it, we get life. In Acts, in Acts 17, uh, verse 28, uh, Paul says, in him we live, move, and have our being. We need to remember where the true vine is. Be connect, look towards the true vine constantly. Discipline ourselves to go for the true vine because in all, in all honest fact, these other things don't satisfy. They're just a temporary fix that does not satisfy. The more you consume, the more you want, the more, and it does not satisfy because it's not big enough. There's this other song by, I forgot who, Florence and the, Florence and the Machine. Uh, she was heartbroken and she was very sad. So she just, and she's a circular artist and she wrote a song, it says, you need a big God, big enough to fill your heart. Because you realize I'm so heartbroken that it's so bad that I just need a big God. It's so bad that you know, nothing else can satisfy but God himself. We, we need to just, let's bypass this thing. Let's make sure that we don't go to the desert route. Ne? Just take shortcut, double up. Don't go to the chips, to the alcohol, to the booze, to the other things. Then you realize it doesn't satisfy. Then you come back to God. Just take a shortcut. Just go straight. True vine. And we're called to abide in this vine. Now the word abide, it means stay, to dwell, to remain in a place. I come from Moy River. So I grew up there like... There's certain things that are essential to me because I come from Moy River. Like, the fact that I can drink water straight out of the fridge, like, all year long. I can't drink the tap water in Durban because it's too hot for me. I need, like, cold water. People look at me funny, but... Because I come from a very cold place. The very fact that it takes me two days to acclimatize to a cold condition where it's like, ah, I don't really need a jersey here. It's fine, because I've, I lived in a place that was cold. I abided and I dwelled there. I didn't visit. Because I dwelt there, it has shaped who I am. 
and how I react. So we are also called to abide in God's word. Jesus says, abide in my word. He did not say, visit me once in a while. Take a tourist, you know, like take a tourist bus, see the Sunni route until, you know. He says, come dwell, come sit. And when Jesus is speaking in, 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 uh, in verse 4, he says, abide in me and I in you. Like he's talking about intimacy, closeness. You know, I love sneakers, right? Uh, just so you know, my birthday's in August. Use that information as you may. <laughs> I love sneakers, but I especially love them when they get old. Because now that, you know, I've got history with them, you know, I know a few stains. I was like, yeah, I know that one happened there. And they've molded to the shape of my feet. And they're like, you know, I can pull them however I like. They're comfortable. They know me. I know them. We're together. <laughs> That's what Jesus is calling us to. <laughs> that level of intimacy and of understanding, that closeness, that proximity, that we abide in him, that we dwell in him, that we smell like him, that we become like him. You know that song by, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Baloo, you see it's true, I want to be like you, I want to talk like you, walk like you, dance like you. That's what Jesus is saying. Abide in me, then you will bear fruit. Because if you don't abide in me, you will not bear fruit. And then in verse 7 it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I remember this one time uh, I was teaching someone uh, just the foundations. We're having a discipleship moment. And I was teaching them about lordship. And I was like, okay, so basically lordship means that we do whatever Jesus says because he is lord. And their their response to me was, what does Jesus say? Like, good question. Go find out. (laughs) Funny enough, he's the only one who's ever asked me that question. Everybody automatically assumes, oh no, it just means that I need to be a good person, I need to do all those things and all of that. In the modern day, in the life that we live, it is important for us to have the word of God in the inside of us, to understand and have God as our true reference. You know, over, over the past couple of years, what happened was is that we used to base our lives according to wisdom of, of elderly people and their counsel and what they think, and that was paramount. Then we realized, actually, they don't know much. (laughs) They don't even know how to turn on an iPad. (laughs) And then we moved from that, and we we came to a point where it it was all about empirical evidence, where it was about facts and figures and science and stats and everything that was feasible. Can you measure it? Can you quantify it? And then ultimately we realized, held on, They can actually lie about those. They can twist them and change them. And then we came to a point where we came to this so-called, this new understanding where it's called the post-truth world. Look it up, it's in the dictionary, post-truth. Where truth does not really matter anymore. You can say whatever you can say. You can say whatever you want to say. Even if someone tries to disprove you, it does not matter. Facts don't matter. And then we're living in that world. 
And if we constantly are basing our lives around these little things that keep on shifting, we will have unstable lives. You know, imagine, like, what's the most famous uh, rendezvous point in Durban? The workshop, right? So, workshop or 320, one of those. <laughs> and uh, imagine if your friend sends you a message and says, instead of meeting me at the workshop, meet me next to that guy at the workshop who sells PS. And then you, what you have to do is you have to go to the workshop and you have to look for the guy that sells PS. How long are you going to look? Like, maybe, is, are you, do you sell PS? No, I see you have PS. <laughs> Imagine that versus your friend saying, hey, meet me at the workshop. It's easy to say, okay, the workshop, because what? It's fixed. It's unchanging. It's there. It's stable. Well, unless something happens, but so far. <laughs> Basing our lives in the Word of God and having the Word of God in the inside of us is like saying, let us meet at the workshop. We have a fixed reference point that is unchanging. It is not based on man's feelings. I don't know about you, but sometimes, almost all the time, it takes me like 10 minutes before I wake up just to figure out how do I feel and why do I feel this way? Like, how do I feel? Why, do I, why am I sad? <laughs> you know, because our feelings change and they fluctuate and they do all, of, all sorts of things. But when we are based our lives in the Word of God and we're stable there and we build our lives on a firm foundation that is unshaken and unshifting, we will be able to bear fruit because we're stable. Imagine if you planted a tree here today and you move it there tomorrow and there tomorrow and there. How It will never grow. It needs to be stable. And how do we actually bear fruit how does abiding in God's word help us to bear fruit? Remember my story about growing up in Moy River? Because I abided there and I dwelt there and I lived there. I can't help but to act in a way that is based on where I've come from. Just like the people who come from the other side of Tugela speak a whole other language called this is Zulu that we don't understand on, the, on this side. People from Maritzburg, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> like, what are you saying? <laughs> Why are you adding extra syllables? Shorten this thing. <laughs> it's because they come from that place that it is shaped who they are. They can't help but produce that. They can't help but live that out. So if, if we abide in the word of God and we abide in, in Jesus, we can't help but produce after him. We can't help but speak in that accent of his. We can't help but act in his mannerisms and all these other things. The truth is, if we are not abiding, if, if we are not bearing fruit, it just means we're not abiding. Simple truth. I, I'm not excluded from that fact. If my life, one of the hardest questions that, I ever, that I, I've learned to ask myself is this, what is God doing in your life? We're so concerned, sometimes we get so wrapped up and so concerned about what am I doing for God that we forget, what is God doing in your life? What is God shifting? What is he, what is he changing? Because if, 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 if you're not changing, it means you're perfect and Jesus died for nothing. We need to be like constantly 
conforming, being conformed and being transformed into the image of the Son, into His likeness. That's bearing fruit. And that requires us to face the cold hard facts of that there's certain things in us that are just not right, that need to change. Jesus said we are called to bear much fruit. And when we bear much fruit, it means that we leave our agendas behind and we pick up God's agenda. Because sometimes we really like presenting our agenda and our manifesto to God and says, come join me in this. And try and convince him through prayer. Lord, you know, like this. But, you know, and God's like, hold up. There's that thing in your life. Like, but you see here, I need, I, if I get this, you, you know, like, um, I, I'm sure some of you will definitely resonate to this. If you do not, you are a much better person than I was. I remember a time in my life when I used to pray prayers like, God, if I pass this year, I am definitely coming to church for this whole year. <laughs> Where it's negotiating back and forth with God. You do something for me, I do something for you. Hey, like, let's work it like this. That's like not really truly abiding. That's negotiating. Abiding is like, okay, fully trust and fully depending. What do you want to do through my life? You are the author and the finisher of life. You are the one who made me. You are the one who created me. So therefore, you know which, which direction my life should take instead of me trying to determine my own direction, but I don't really know how to get there fully. We have to let go of our agendas and surrender to God's agenda. Then we become fruitful. And sometimes we're so disobedient that we, we, we so get caught up with our own agenda that we think God doesn't really care that we think God's agenda is that you, like, do religious duties. But sometimes God's agenda is about your financial position, about your spending, about the way you spend your time, about all the things in your life that you do. God is about that. The minute, finer details that you think that God does not see, He cares about, and He would like to speak into them and to shape them. But He cannot do that unless you abide in Him. So as I close, I just want to go through uh, verse 2. Jesus says, Abide in me, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear much fruit. The sick the painful truth about bearing fruit is that we have to go through this process called pruning sometimes. That there are certain things in our lives that God needs to cut or has cut. Sometimes it's painful. Well, all of the time it's painful. But sometimes it hurts us, it breaks us so that we can be transformed into the image of what he wants us to be like. Like, uh, if you remember Winston, he always has this story uh, that he, t- he, like, he, he would like to tell about his wrist, that he broke his wrist doing whatever Winston likes doing. And then when, he, when they put his cast on, they didn't allow his bones to heal properly, so they just put a cast on. And then because of the 
like the different shapes of, his bo of the bones here, the bones just decided to regrow and join themselves willy-nilly. So he, to a point that he could not close his hand. In order to fix that, they had to smash the bones and to allow them to heal individually, one by one, until it can get to a point where he could close his hand. Sometimes God has to smash certain things, tear down certain crutches that we've held on to, belief systems that we've held on to, ideas about who he is, about who we are, about who we're going, that we have to get, he needs to cut. And we can't, go, and, and we can't grow unless he cuts them. God is about efficiency. There's certain areas in our lives where we are wasting energy, that we are wasting effort, and that we are worried about so much that we stay up all night thinking about. But, you know, God's like, it doesn't matter. Just cut that thing. And there's certain things that we're so unhappy about that, God, you've cut certain things in my life. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't, I don't, I don't. Exactly that. He's cut it so that you will learn to abide in him and grow. Remember that, abide and grow. And that requires us to be obedient to him. It's going to be hard, it's going to hurt, it's going to be painful, but an ultimate truth is that it will bear much fruit. There's this poem that I like reading whenever I feel like Life is really hard. It says, when God wants to thrill a man and drill a man and skill a man, see his ways, see how he acts, how he brutally and shamelessly beats him and breaks him down into tiny, unrecognizable pieces that only God can, I'm paraphrasing, Ayanda, only God can see and put back together. Because we, we were flowing, eh? Like, then he started going... <laughs> Back to the point is that there's, there's, there's certain points where God wants to just break us down so he can build us again properly. And we have to allow him to go us, to allow him to take us through that journey and to take us through that process. And let us build our lives right. Just to recap. Jesus is the true vine. There's no other source. He is our true source of satisfaction. He is the source of our life. And he's calling us to abide in him, to remain in him, to remain in his word. Let his word be in the inside of us. Let it be imprinted in our hearts so that we may bear fruit, so that we may live lives that are transformed, that are transformed to the image of who he is and what he's doing in our lives. Can we please stand? Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.